0: Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. All right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Cap Rates. This is an event that we hold twice a year, and I'm so happy that we could see you here, although I hope to see you in person very, very soon. I wanted to tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the market and the market in New York City and tell you what really happened in the past six months. And then I'm going to invite a few of my partners and colleagues to talk to us on specific deals and what they see in the market. It's going to be my partner, Victor Sozio. It's going to be my partner, Mike Tortorici, our senior director, Sean Kelly and our director in our Capital Services Division, Matt Swerdlow. Before we start, I wanted to extend a special thank you to my partner, Ivan Petrovich, and to also Remy Mendel, who led the effort of putting this event together, the presentation, the panel, and communicating also with Legal Outreach, which we'll talk about in a second. Those of you who are not familiar with me, my name is Shimon Shkuri. I'm the president of Ariel Property Advisors. Our company is a real estate investment services company here in New York City. We have three divisions, the investment sales division, where our brokers are focused on geographic area throughout the city, our capital services group, which provides debt and equity advisory and placement for our clients nationwide, and our investment research group, that provides a tremendous amount of information throughout the city to our clients and to the industry. And much of the information that we have here is through that division. Our reports are out for the quarter and for the first six months of the year, and you're welcome to go on our website and download them. Uh, They should be available by now. Before we start the official presentation, I wanted to extend a warm welcome to uh, James O'Neill, James is the executive director of Legal Outreach, which is a very special after-school program which Ariel property advisors have been supporting over the years. Also, a special thank you, which will come from James, to Aman, who is helping us, or Legal Outreach, to raise $350,000 or to win a prize for $350,000. James is going to tell you more about that prize, but also more about our real estate program that we've done in the past year, and hopefully you can get involved in many different ways with legal outreach. James, please take the stage and speak with us a little bit about the organization.
1: Happy to do so, Shimon, and thank you so much for that introduction. I'd like to thank you, of course, as well as all of your partners and all the staff at Aerial Property Advisors for your consistent support of legal outreach for over a decade. APA has made a difference not just with monetary and financial contributions, but equally as important by opening the eyes of our students to career opportunities within the real estate industry. And for that, we'll be forever grateful. Perennially, Aerial Property Advisors hosts a week long summer internship for four of our students and has continued to do so even virtually over the past two summers. This has taken some adjustments, but the program has worked well and our kids have benefited from that. This year, however, APA went a step further that is going beyond just internships and in conjunction with Burden LLP coordinated nine professional exposure workshops, one per month from October through June for 20 of our students who expressed an interest in learning more about career options in real estate. Workshop presenters included not only APA and Burton, but also Fisher Brothers, Signature Bank and Camber Property Group. For anyone in attendance today who desires to join in on the fun, during the coming year by conducting a 90 minute workshop that opens the eyes of our students to the work performed by your company, please reach out to me at j. jonell at legaloutreach.org. We will be glad to include you. And let me tell you that our students will appreciate gaining the insight from insiders within the industry itself. We know of course, that not everyone can host a workshop or internships However, there is one project in which everyone can participate that would be tremendously beneficial to legal outreach. We're fortunate that Amon McConnon, who regularly attends the coffee and cap rates event and is a director at Greystone, is also a Chick fil A franchise owner in Queens. And as such, he was able to nominate Legal Outreach for a Chick fil A True Inspiration Award for the work we do trying to change the educational trajectory of students from underserved communities. Everyone who is in attendance and everyone at your companies can help us become a true Inspiration Award recipient by voting for us online in September when the portals open. More information about this will be forthcoming from aerial property advisors in the near future. Thank you so much, Amon, for your support of our work at Legal Outreach. And thank you so much, Shimon, for allowing us to publicize this opportunity at today's event.
0: Thank you, James. This is fantastic. And for those of you who don't know James O'Neill, Google him. He had his life story at the Michael Stoller Show, and you definitely want to hear it. It's super interesting and tells you what kind of values a person like James has that allows him to build, start, and lead legal outreach to the tremendous organization it is. So thank you for that. And with that, we're going to start with the presentation and talk a little bit more about New York City and what we've seen in the past six months. And right after that, we're going to go into the panel discussion with my partners and colleagues at Ariel Property Advisors. We sat here in January of 2021 looking at pictures from the last year 2020 and these pictures weren't pretty and one of the things we said then is that we feel the worst is really behind us and that was the case if you look at today six months later about 60 percent of new yorkers are vaccinated people are going out and eating in restaurants people are going out to museums they're sitting outside more people are in the office it's far from being perfect but it's definitely a boost in the right direction. So when we look at numbers, the first numbers that come to mind are the numbers for volume of transactions and number of transactions. And as you can see from this chart, in fact, the first half of the year of 2021 was not that impressive when it comes to the number and volume of transactions. But you really have to look further and look quarter by quarter. And the second quarter tells a better story of what's happening. So, these numbers are lagging indicators. And in addition to the second quarter that has been great, we can tell you that at Ariel Property Advisors, we have more than 50% higher contract signings this period of time compared to the year before. More than that, our colleagues outside of Ariel uh, are experiencing the same. So, chances are this year, 2021, the second half of the year, is going to end stronger than what we're seeing here and uh, be equivalent to 2022, if not even higher. These are the probabilities. So again, positive momentum. And that brings us also to the bounce back effect. What happened in the past six months is tremendous. The first thing that happened was unemployment rate dropped to about half of what it was in the height of COVID. Uh, was still higher than the national average. Remember that tourism counted for about 90,000 jobs that were lost. Tourism and hospitality and events are just starting to come back. So we still have ways to go, but we did bounce back quickly and rapidly within a six-month period. If you look at the mobility reports, you see that there was a 41% improvement since January alone in public transportation, people using public transportation, 28% higher in attendance in offices, and 42% higher when it comes to using retail or going through recreation centers, restaurants, et cetera. This is all in the past six months. Again, we still have ways to go. We still lower about 40 to 45%, depending on which item, but about 40% compared to pre-COVID, but we have a robust bounce back over the past six months, and we believe it'll continue. Residential rental vacancy has come down as a result of this bounce back and the fundamentals. I mean, we're looking at less than 3.5% vacancy. There's still concessions. Rents are still lower than what they were. The next thing to improve is less concessions and higher rents. In fact, when we talk to investors today, to free market multifamily investors, the anticipation is for robust growth over the next two or three or four years. So we're definitely seeing that come back. Also on the vacancy rates, condominium sellouts have been good in the second quarter. In fact, the third highest condo sellouts in the past decade. So definitely pent-up demand, higher pricing compared to the year before. For the luxury condominiums, let's say about $4 million, we've seen about 13% increase in value quarter of a quarter on average. So even the condo market is doing better in the second quarter. So when we talk about pricing and drivers, I want to caveat it by saying there weren't too many transactions to choose from. So we really have to be very careful when we conclude, but we'll try to be as precise as possible. Well, let's start with development pricing. With land pricing in Manhattan below 96th Street, you see an increase in value to $557 per square foot. But then you look at 407 Park Avenue, which was definitely an outlier and sold for 950 which was a part of an assemblage. If you take that comparable away, you see that the numbers did not really change between 2020 and 2021. They're rather low. They're less than $500 a buildable foot. Our belief is that once developers get confidence in the condominium market again, specifically in Manhattan below 96th Street. These land values will be extremely attractive and in fact, will start climbing up pretty quickly. We anticipate that happens within a year. So if you're looking for opportunity today, land in Manhattan is one of them. The rest of the boroughs have fared mixed in a mixed way. And the reason is in many cases in the boroughs, you're targeting as a developer, a residential development. As you all know, the 421A or affordable New York is apt for a change in the middle of 2022. And that really puts a challenge to develop residential rental. This unknown is something that Albany will have to resolve. And this is where we anticipate a little bit of a slowdown or a lot of a slowdown until there's more certainty in Albany between now and hopefully June of 2022. The multifamily market is interesting and we're looking at three subcategories, the affordable, market, the free market, and rent stabilized. Let's talk about what the pandemic did to each one of these and where the near-term performance is going to be. In terms of affordable housing for multifamily, the pandemic had a positive effect from an investor's perspective because of certainty of collections, because of certainty in taxes. In many cases, you have tax abatement and because of specialized capital, either mission-driven capital or advantageous debt financing, the near-term performance is also good. In fact, we know, and we're going to talk about it during the panel, that we have a tremendous amount of contracts that are going to close by the end of the year. So from a transaction perspective, we will see positive changes in the very near term. The free market world was negatively impacted by COVID. And the reason was mostly people leaving the city and vacancy. As we saw from the previous chart, That is starting to improve, in fact, bounce back very quickly. The near-term performance is extremely positive for it, as I discussed before. Rent stabilized was not affected by the pandemic as much. I should caveat it by saying some collections were affected, but values were not affected by the pandemic. It was affected by HSCPA, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act of 2019. The near-term performance, however, we believe is going to be positive. We started seeing more transactions going through, which creates more pricing clarity. And we believe that will force more transactions into the market. We also know that it's a very sensitive subclass to interest rate. And interest rates today are extremely accommodating. So let's talk about multifamily pricing. And when you look at multifamily pricing, one of the things to talk about is how many units were rent regulated versus free market. And as I mentioned before, these numbers don't tell a full story. So we can't just look at averages. We have to look building by building when we now analyze it, but it tells somewhat of a story. So in Manhattan below 96th Street, there was actually growth. If you look at price per foot, comparing 2021 to 2020, only 23% of the units that traded were regulated compared to more of that last year. Northern Manhattan was exactly the opposite. 76% of the trades were rent regulated, and that's what forced pricing to go down. So again, it doesn't mean that Northern Manhattan went down in value. It just means that the mix of buildings that traded forced the average numbers to go down. Similar things happened in the Bronx, and Queens and Brooklyn were mixed. Our anticipation of capitalization rates and prices per foot in general, if you look separately at multifamily in each one of these subsections, is to further go up cap rates will probably compress further in the near future as demand increase for investments. so what moves the needle what happened in the bigger transactions the first interesting part of it is the growth in the number of transactions between the first to the second quarter 11 sales above 100 million dollars versus two but what was interesting is that office and retail actually did well if it was well located like the building that Essel Green sold on Sixth Avenue on West 20th Street, we had Staples there and Microsoft as two tenants. We had more tenants there on the retail side, definitely stable tenants. And we had 80,000 square feet in the SL Green building that were renewed by a tech company. So stable location, good tenancy, good cash flow, selling for 14.35 per foot. Very similar scenario with the Broadway deal that sold for 1700 a foot. But also the office market, the office leasing activity grew by about 14% in the second quarter compared to the first. And this is a chart that shows how many people or companies actually renewed leases like Blackstone or got new leases like the City of New York, Legal Aid Society in Mount, Mount Sinai, all in the first and second quarters. So much more robust leasing activity in New York City. The multifamily market on the affordable side did well in the Bronx, for example, with a $122 million deal that was sold to a nonprofit and will be preserving affordable there with AMI's area median incomes at lower than 80%. And we also had the other extreme, which is Stonehenge buying a building on 920 Park Avenue in 80th and Park, luxury apartment building, predominantly free market. And probably a major rehab and increase in rents over time and catering to the luxury market on the upper east side. So these two transactions help us explain where New York City is going in both ways, affordable and free market in a much stronger way compared to six months ago. So what should we watch for when we are talking about our watch list? The first thing, clearly something that we cannot ignore is the Delta variant. We know what the pandemic means by now, so it's not going to be a black swan, but something to watch for. Our belief is that the bounce back we've experienced will continue. The Delta variant might slow it down, but we will see growth in the next six months. Local low 97, that's the emissions low, something that landlords are paying attention to now. CPACE is a financing tool that allows to put a cheaper mezzanine, less expensive mezzanine, on buildings to accommodate something like the local law 97. 1031s, something that the Biden administration has been talking about to stop 1031 tax deferred exchange is the ability to take a building, to sell a building, move the proceeds into another building and defer capital gains. Really what it does is it keeps the investor in the same asset class, which is, I think, important So, hopefully, That doesn't go through, but if it does go through, it's going to negatively affect real estate throughout the United States, not just in New York City. Inflation is a good thing for real estate in general, clearly there's caveats there. And the local politics, Eric Adams was the favorite when it comes to the real estate industry. So from a real estate perspective, that is a positive. 421 expiration and J51 on on the city level, the 421 expiration is something that I mentioned before, something that we're watching for and want to get a lot more clarity and a lot more certainty. It's important because without a tax abatement, it doesn't make an economic case for building a rental building anywhere. So it's important from our perspective, from the real estate perspective, for developers to really get clarity from Albany about what they intend to do so they can start buying land again and develop. Conclusion is that the second half of the year should be a lot more transactional. We believe that pricing and fundamentals are going to be better and stronger. And we're seeing this pretty much, as I described before, in every avenue of the real estate market and the general New York City market. That really concludes my presentation. So thank you everybody for being here.